Welcome to Thrive in Business Together with Nikki and Ness. We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country, the Yuggera and Wurundjeri people of Brisbane and Melbourne respectively, where Nikki and I both work and live. Today, friends, Ness and I are talking about micromanagement. We want to help make sure that you have a thriving culture, that you are cultivating that culture in a really resourceful, healthy, fun, beautiful way. And you may not realize it, but there might be micromanagement creeping in, or maybe you are really aware of it, but you just don't know how to stop. And I wonder if you find yourself resistant to letting go of certain tasks or perhaps feeling this fear of loss of control. Maybe you're hiding behind perfectionism and telling yourself that's just the standards that you have. But in fact, perfectionism, as we discuss in this episode, isn't really a standard. And if you're curious to know more about that, or if you resonate with anything that I've mentioned already, then this is definitely an episode for you. We're going to share with you three ways that you can identify if you or the leaders in your team are micromanaging. Of course, it's so important to then look at what you can do instead. And as always, we're going to share with you one thing that you can do to start breaking the cycle of micromanagement in your business. Again, micromanagement kills the culture of your business, and we want the opposite of that. We want you to create that thriving culture within your business. So listen, enjoy, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. Ness, something that we talk about quite often for business leaders So it could be a leader in a bigger business, it could be a business owner that is also a leader, is that we almost need a sixth sense to feel comfortable enough to be able to step back from the business because so many business owners get stuck in the business, don't they? They get stuck. We call it juggle straight. That's the terminology that we use because you're juggling all the balls, you're all things to all people, even though you have a team. And we've got a little framework we're going to share in this episode as to how to make sure that you can feel confident in stepping back from your business. But before we share that, we want to talk about this little thing called micromanagement. Mm. It's the shadow side of leadership. And sometimes business owners don't actually realize that they might be micromanaging or you do realize it, but you just can't stop. It's like that packet of chips that you opened and you got the extra large size and you started eating it, but you just can't stop, even though you know it's not good for you. And wherever you sit in that, or perhaps you don't even realize and you're not doing it yet, but you might be on the trajectory to do that. And it can create a really unhealthy, toxic environment. I mean, some people would say that micromanaging can actually be a form of bullying. When I was doing some research, Mm -hmm. there's a blog that I wrote a little while ago. We'll put it in the link in the show notes. And that came up as a really big theme. So this is important. This is really important as a leader, as a business owner. It does affect burnout rates. It does affect mental health. And there was some research conducted by Trinity Solutions that actually highlighted 85% of people surveyed said that morale was negatively impacted. I mean, I could be surprised that it's not even higher. And 70% almost said that they would consider a job change. So reality is eventually people might leave. And this is important because wherever you're on the spectrum, you're on your way, you realize or you know or you don't realize yet, we have to talk about micromanagement and how it could potentially kill the culture of your business. 
Ness, do you have any examples of this, either that you've seen with clients or even personally when you were in a leadership role where you felt firsthand this this impact of micromanaging? Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? As you go through your leadership journey, whether that be in your own business or you've worked your way through the corporate and gone into business for yourself, you tend to look at other leaders ahead of you and you choose what you love about them and what you do not love about them. That's so true. (laughs) And your leadership style gets to become a little mismatch of, I'm never going to do that and I really want to do that. And I think I had a lot of those kinds of experiences in my corporate career. I can think of one in particular. I had a lovely lady. She was a great woman and she was my manager and I got along with her quite well. But there was this particular process where we wanted somebody, I was working at Centrelink at the time, we wanted somebody to work from home, which is hilarious because that's where everybody (laughs) ended up in COVID. But in the past, it was a big, scary thing that somebody might take some, you know, secretive information and put it in their house. So there was a huge process to go through in order to be able to be approved for somebody to work from home. And I had a staff member who met all that. I did, I followed the process, you know, dotted the I's and crossed the T's and handed it in to get approved. And her first response was no, because she didn't think I would meet the criteria. And I'm like, I've done all the work. The criteria is met. So she's like, nope, I'm going to go away and do that for myself. That was the most frustrating experience because she just went and did pretty much everything I did and told me how to eat it. (laughs) Mm. But that's how it felt. It really changed my view of who she was as my leader. I lost a lot of respect for her in that moment. I felt demotivated. I felt undermined. I felt like I'd lost the ability to be empowered to make decisions. And it was such a turning point because it helped me to see, mind you, the answer came back with a yes, of course, (laughs) because everything had been, all the process had been followed. But it just showed me how you can like lose trust in a moment of micromanagement. And all the other good things that she'd done up until then didn't really matter because that was, and I'm still thinking about it all these Mm, years later. mm. So when people micromanage, I truly think, and we'll probably get into this, I'm sure, as to why they do it, but I have seen more often people doing it more because it's their natural style to want to feel in control as opposed to be doing it maliciously. And that's where it gets scary because if you're micromanaging because you know that somebody else isn't going to be able to do it as well as you and you have to put your finger in and you need to make sure the process is followed and you don't trust other people to do that, as a leader in a business, that is going to put you in a very challenging spot when it comes to building trust, which is what you need to empower your team. Yeah. Trust is, I believe, well, actually, and there is some research that's been done by McCrindle and I'm sure other businesses as well. Trust is the foundational element of creating great culture, isn't it? I've seen examples of where there is no trust between a leader and the team and it is horrible. There's actually almost, in that case, there was no turning back. And I say almost because, of course, we've got to look at what's in play and sometimes we can come back from that. But sometimes when that trust is broken, it's kind of like a relationship. Yeah. Sometimes when that trust is broken, any relationship, it can be really hard to come back from. Mm. Absolutely. And, you know, and I see I have a friend in who's been working for a manager recently and she is such a micromanager that this person who is an amazing woman has lost confidence in her ability yeah. to do her job, which is really, really sad. 
And actually from the story she shares with us in a friendship capacity, it sounds like she's being bullied. Mm. And this is the line, a really thin line that you can tread if you are into micromanaging. Now, understanding about human behavior, obviously we love to work with extended disc, which is our preferred behavioral profiling. I know that a lot of what this manager is doing with my friend is based on her natural style. So natural style to be the expert. She wants the eyes got I do it. that all the time. <laughs> crossed. But she can't let go of it. And the impact that I've seen it had for this friend of mine who has gone for other jobs and not been successful because it has really knocked her confidence. I think there's such a ripple effect to great leadership and a ripple effect to poor leadership. And this is where you... If you don't get your micromanagement under control and find a way out of it, it can be really dangerous for your business culture and for the longevity and progression of your business and for you as a leader. Like who wants to work with somebody who's constantly looking over your shoulder, you're telling you how to do things. Are you stuck in the busy trap or on Juggle Street being all things to all people despite having a team? Or perhaps your business is feeling chaotic. Head over to businesstogether.com.au forward slash resources for a whole bunch of free goodies that help you get time freedom back, experience peak performance and leverage smart growth in your business. And if you're ready for us to help in a more hands-on way, email us at hello at businesstogether.com.au and let's chat. And also, how much more time does that take? So, you know, it's for the person that's doing it. What I'm also hearing in this conversation is that, you know, if you're a leader or a business owner that does tend to micromanage or you're realising that perhaps you are, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It means that there's an unresourceful behaviour. And when we can separate ourselves, our identity, who we are from our behaviours, still take ownership, we can face it a little bit easier. And as you said, Ness, some people are naturally more prone to being micromanagers than others. And, but everybody could fall, like the best leaders could fall into this trap. It's not, no one's immune from it. It's about the awareness, realizing I'm not a bad person, but how can I change my behavior so that I have a positive ripple effect? I know every single one of us would be able to think of a leader that we've had that has had that negative impact and a leader that has just changed our worlds and opened it up and inspired us. So let's get into then what are some of the common reasons, if we were to break it down to the top three reasons, Ness, that people who are not bad people, they're maybe just super busy or whatever it might be, what are the main reasons that we might fall into this micromanagement trap as a leader? Yeah, sure. I think one of the big ones is this desire for perfectionism. So it needs to be perfect. So when we have such a strong attachment to the end result being a certain way, but when you're working on your own, sometimes you can be really critical of your own work and Mm. you have this level. And, And this has been something that I found really interesting. We talk about perfectionism being something that sometimes people are proud about that. Yes. I'm a perfectionist. So therefore the quality of my work is so high, but the reality is there is no benchmark because it's got to be perfect. There's no such thing as perfect, right? Mm. So we constantly, when we think perfectionism as a positive thing, what we're saying is we're never going to reach the standard because we don't know what the standard is because perfectionism isn't a standard. Oh, and then what about the ripple effect of that to your team? So when you have this 
expectation that you can never meet for yourself. And I love that. It's not a standard. It's invisible. We can never attain it. And you're teaching your team that is actually a standard to go for. But then it's this perpetual cycle of feeling like we're failing all the time. Would that be fair? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So perfectionism, definitely that no one can do it as well as I can. And therefore, I, and so how can you explain to someone else how to do it to that level? You can't. Yeah. Oh, is this resonating with anybody? (laughs) I think we will be. What's another one that you noticed, Nick, through your experience? Look, I think kind of building on that when you talked about perfectionism is almost this badge that people can wear. I think another one, and this might sound, might confront some people, but I think it's ego. So there's another badge that we can wear, which can be this busy badge or the badge of importance, or, you know, there's a couple of things that can drive that. It kind of feeds into a little bit, I guess, that no one else can do it as well as me, but it's also, who am I if I don't do this? If I'm not spending time doing this, these tasks and these things, it's kind of connected to perfectionism. But also, if I don't do this, what will I do? There's fear around that. So I think ego can drive us micromanaging. And you know what's scary about that is it's so hard for us to pick up where our egos are playing, yes. right? Everyone else around us might be able to see it. Yeah. But we can be blinded. It's a real blind spot when it comes mm. to ego. You have to have such a high level of self-awareness and emotional intelligence to be able to understand where ego is playing out. And I, I would suggest that that is probably one of the most challenging ones to recognize. Mm. But I would I also think that there are signs. So there are signs along the way and maybe in your gut you know that there's this importance. I've fallen into this trap before around, oh, no one can do my job as well as me, and then you go on holidays and someone else has come in and done an amazing job and you come back (laughs) going, oh, well, maybe maybe it doesn't matter if I leave and you're not going to love me. Which ironically is the gold standard. That's where we want to end up. That is optimal leadership is when you can go away and the team delivers, yet That is hard for our ego to take because it's that badge of importance, isn't it, that's being challenged? Yep. Absolutely. What about another reason, Ness? I would say that fear can be a big driver behind it. I think there's this sense of particularly if it's your business and then you're bringing people in to work with you, to work with your clients, to represent you out in the world, to follow your systems or processes that you've created There's a fear of loss of control in that. If it's not done, especially, and I see this in our clients around things like customer service as an example. It's like, well, I'm going to go to this level in order to be able to provide customer service because I know exactly who my customer is. I know what they need. I know how to deliver them a solution. Like all of this internal knowledge that you have because you've created this and then you hand it to someone else but you perhaps you haven't actually delegated it in a way that they understand or they're able to implement to your level and the fear of the loss of control there well what happens if I lose a client because of this and so I think that fear can be really dangerous because it means that people can't make mistakes and if you train your team that they can't make a mistake then they're never ever going to step up because they're going to have a fear of getting in trouble for doing the wrong thing. And this is where your fear just perpetuates their fear. Mm. So I'm not suggesting that you just let people run loose, 
But it is back on you to, as a leader, to be able to train and transfer your knowledge and skills to others so that they can get out there and do it. And let's face it, we probably scuffed our knees when we were learning anyhow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember, one of, I think <laughs> I remember one of the worst coaching sessions ever <laughs> that I did with a client where 20 minutes in, we both looked at each other and went, I think we should call it quits. <laughs> And that was pretty awkward and uncomfortable to come back from. But I learned so much from that experience. Now, how could I train that in somebody else without letting them have something like that experience themselves in some way or another? And I think what you talked about, you brought up coaching. I think what's so important in these, in all businesses, is that there is support to be able to develop your people. So we're not just saying, we're not saying just get them to do the task. That's not setting them or your business up for success. It's the coaching and development and creating a space where they can scuff, stuff, scuff their knees. Is that right? Yeah, um, fall over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, again, the analogy when we learn to walk, I know that's been used over and over, but it's true. You look at kids, they have to learn. I'm walking too quick. The momentum's too quick. I'm not putting enough energy and momentum. Like, we've got to find that balance of what's that sweet spot. And some tasks are less risky. So, yes, you can be strategic about who you delegate to what. Actually, we've got a framework. This is probably the right time to bring the framework in, yeah. isn't it, Ness? Yeah, um, sure. And we took, we call this ESP because ESP is just another way of saying sixth sense. And, again, you've got to create almost this sixth sense to be able to, or mind read to be able to step back confidently. And there's three key areas of ESP. Ness, do you want to run everybody through a really high level? Yeah, sure. So we start with the culture of the business. So that's the environment you're creating. And we touched on this all about the trust. How do you empower your team and how do you build trust in the team? The second part is around the operating rhythms that you have. So considering the structure, the systems, what do you have in place to support your people? Just like you talked about, Nick, it could be coaching, it could be through online training, it could be any kind of one-on-one help. But that's it, the structure. And then the final part of this puzzle is the skills of the team. So ensuring consistent upskilling of your team to set your people up for success. It's about getting everything in order so that your people are able to feel empowered to do the right thing, to know that they're going to get supported through the scuffed knees moments. And really then you can let go of it knowing that there's trust, there's empowerment, and you can move forward with that. So environment, structure, and people is the ESP. And yeah, I think that's something we have seen for our clients works really, really well. Mm, Especially because it's a good acronym. We love a good acronym. It's a simple framework. Frameworks are great to be able to create shift and changes within your business. So if you, your action today, because we always like to finish with one actionable action that you can walk away with to help break a cycle. And the cycle that you're breaking today is the cycle of micromanagement in your team for yourself as a leader, but also your leaders. So share this with your leaders in the business. We have created, we've added a link in the show notes that you will give you access to a video that we did that takes you through ESP in more detail. So you can actually walk away and have a bit of a checklist for each area and you can identify what are my strengths, celebrate that, what are my gaps. So again, the action is watch that video, learn more about this so that you can then put the right framework in order to avoid or remove and not have micromanagement within your business. I think that's us for today, Ness. Anything else? Final words of wisdom? Just my final word of wisdom here is if you're sitting on the fence going, I don't 
think I'm a micro manager, but maybe I am. Get some feedback from your team. Yeah, right. You know, really ask the question, how do you find my, and that can be hard and it'd be hard to hear if it is, I do feel like you micromanage me. So if in doubt, watch the video because you will gain some great insights as to how to, how to even lead differently. Let's say that you may or may not be micromanaging. You can still watch the video and get some gold from that. Well, that's it. And actually in the video, we talk about how to prioritize your tasks so that it frees you up, gives you that space so you don't have to be coming from that place of having to do everything and gives you the thinking space to be able to delegate really. Absolutely. (laughs) So ironic, we need the thinking space to be able to delegate in the first time. We would love to hear how you go with these actions, what your feedback and thoughts are. And until then, have a beautiful day. See you later. Thanks for listening to today's app. If you loved what you heard, find us on LinkedIn and let us know what you enjoyed. Also, don't forget to rate and review. And of course, share this episode with your biz besties. Ness and I are obsessed with helping you break through your business and life barriers to get you to your next frontier of growth. We bring two business minds and two perspectives into your business. As the magician, I help connect the dots, see the possibilities and the hidden potential. And as the architect, Ness turns those possibilities into practice, implementing plans and frameworks. Because let's face it, every vision needs a practical pathway to success. We offer business health checks, taking you from chaos to clarity in just 30 days. Are you curious to find out more? Send us an email or go old school and give us a call. All our details are in the show notes and on our website. Until next time, happy listening and here's to thriving in business and life.